0: Hi, I'm Rogers Healy, and welcome to Rogers That, a podcast dedicated to selling without selling out, and today we have somebody that embodies everything a leader should be. We have an athlete both on the court, in the heart, and in the head, Uh, somebody I met uh, through just being a a different kind of personality, and it it ended up being a a really beautiful story where uh, Anthony Tolliver is my guest, and most of us know him as a longtime NBA superstar, a veteran of the league, a journeyman in uh in the world of professional sports he's also a journeyman in the world of business and in the world of faith and he has found a way to perfect the combination of the things that mean the most to him his faith his family fitness and finance and so today on the show we're going to talk to anthony about his journey to being you know just a unique person in general but how he has gone and maintained success all while being a great person so anthony thanks for being on the show today thanks for having me you're welcome you blend in with the wall thank you for wearing purple Anthony (laughs) you you got the you got the memo um but yeah we we, Anthony and I met through just a random happenstance I think he was playing for the Pistons here in Dallas back right I guess yeah it was the Pistons
1: it would have been the uh, Timberwolves Timberwolves. yeah yeah
0: you were at lunch with a guy named Bill Lambeer who was one of my uh, childhood heroes and Mm -hmm. I went up to him this was in gosh Eleven? No. Tw- Ish. Yeah. yeah. So o- over a decade ago. Yeah. And Anthony, um, I knew who he was. I recognized him from his playing days at Creighton. And I gave him a business card like most salespeople are supposed to do. Kind of just pissing in the wind, just hoping that one day that uh, that would come back to play to my favor. And it actually did. And what Anthony has meant to me throughout my entire life, not my entire life, but my life that started, <laughs> my life started when I met Anthony. But I, <laughs> Um but what no what he's what he's given me are, are just different gifts. He's been a loyal friend, a loyal client, and he's family to me. But um Anthony, so everyone can get background on you. Tell us what got you where you are today, your basketball journey, your faith journey, your business journey, and how you've been able to go and take all that and put into this beautiful tangled um not tangled, this this beautiful monster that you've built.
1: Yeah. So I mean, where do I start? That's uh it's a lot of uh lot of stories to, to tell. Um So I grew up in Springfield, Missouri. Um, uh, My mother raised me, Donna Lewis. um, Father Johnny Tolliver. Springfield, Missouri was a a great town to grow up in. I grew up with a couple of my sisters, and and uh, I actually have six sisters total, but I only grew up with two of them. Um, Fun fact about me. Um, So yeah, I grew up playing basketball from the age of four. Uh, Age of actually the age of four, I went to the Boys and Girls Club to sign up for basketball and I was two days too late. So mm. uh, it was the worst day of my life and I mm. uh, wasn't able to uh, play play the game that I love. Um, Were you tall as a kid? I was and I and I really, really fell in love with the game really, really early. Like mm. literally my earliest memories are making a basket on 10 foot and, and uh, everything related to to basketball the you know nba finals uh michael jordan versus the their first finals against the lakers in 90 and 91 i think it is so um some of my earliest memories are tied to the game of basketball was so, he your
0: favorite player as a kid
1: he was probably the first player i followed yeah um you know it was kind of i mean he was you know yeah. unbelievable. You know, and most kids are front runners. So so I was a front runner just like everybody else. I was a Chicago Bulls fan. Charles Barkley fan. Right. Hey, Never there you go. Never was a Jordan guy. Oh, how about that? You're, yeah. you uh you know, you're one of the, one of the few. So, um, so yeah, I just got a chance to, um, you know, win a state championship in high school in basketball, I earned a scholarship to Creighton University. Uh, that's where I met my wife and um shout out to jess absolutely to jess and then um got a chance to pursue basketball as a career and so uh didn't didn't get drafted like i had dreamed i'd always dreamed of walking across the stage and shaking david Stern's hand was but. the thing
0: on your instagram a joke the other day when you were in the suit <laughs> yeah so that was okay i almost commented so that was actually okay follow anthony on, anthony on instagram Tolliver 44 yep and you kind of mocked, and it's like when Kirk Heinrich got drafted, and he became a lifelong <laughs> meme of just having a an MC Hammer sized suit. So yeah, that was actually filmed. That
1: was a, that was a, a real suit of mine from but, from 2000 but, about seven. Probably. But that's not footage from
0: 07 No, which is why your head. Was, yeah, ah, okay, yeah, Man, that's why yeah. we're all here. So
1: my, <laughs> so my uh, my suit. I was going through my closet, getting some old stuff out of there, donating some stuff, and. Um, put the suit on and realized, holy moly, like I need to make a video from this. Like, yeah, well, well done. And it was just impromptu and it was it was great. But um, anyways, um, didn't get drafted, unfortunately, but it ended up being a blessing in disguise. Um, ended up getting a chance to sign with the Cavaliers and made the team. But then I got cut Then I made another team. I got cut and went back to the D League, went to Germany, came back, made a team, signed, was doing great got cut, went back to the D-League, back to overseas, came back, made a team, got cut. Just so we get Over. perspective,
0: what, how much time was just that right there? That was
1: uh, that was two and a half years. So, so like seven teams? Yeah, uh, ish. Yeah. Um, so I think I need to do the final count, but I think the total count, if you count overseas, uh, G league it's, it was the D-League back then, but the G league And NBA, I think I've played for a total of 19 teams, 18 Mm -hmm. or 19 teams in 14 years.
0: Good Lord. What was the longest stint you had with a a team?
1: Three years with Minnesota and three years with Detroit. In a row? Uh, No, two years in a row for each of them, and then one other one-year stint with each of them.
0: So as you became, I describe Anthony as like the student council president, uh, and just in general, but in, in sports as well. And when we met, you were since you're halfway into your career and I got to go follow you become a different kind of fan, but to watch your leadership skills, not even evolve because you're a natural leader, but as you started kind of uh, not assuming your role, but realizing, you know, your, your story is incredible, but you're just the hardest worker in the room. Right. But as that started to happen, did it take a toll on you and your, your family, your mental well being, where it's just kind of hard to make a real
1: place a home or did you kind of embrace it and realize that's kind of your role
0: in, in that part of your life?
1: Yeah, it was tough. Um, I'm not going to lie. It was definitely tough, uh, especially early, uh, doing, during a lot of the adversity of getting released from teams. And, um, what you know, was the
0: process? How do they even, what do they do? They just text you?
1: No, uh, they all, I'm trying to think, I say, all, I think all of them, uh, pull you into the office and uh. have that conversation face to face. It's, uh, it's never a fun yeah. conversation for anybody, but, um, you know, I, I view I view those types of things in life as an opportunity to either run from your adversity and from the hardships or lean all the way into it and still make it happen. And so uh, instead of getting cut and making it into this, oh, my gosh, like I'm somebody told me I wasn't good enough. And now I'm going to accept that I'm not good enough. I did the opposite. I said, screw them. <laughs> I am good enough. I and mean, then even in some
0: situations you went back to the team that thought you weren't good. Yeah. 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 So that had to feel kind of nice. Yeah. Down. So,
1: I mean, it's, it's, Hey, I am good enough and I'm going to prove you wrong essentially. And so, uh, I had a lot of that, not like an animosity is, but it was just a, a pure motivation, just a pure motivation of no, like I am, I am good enough to make it. And I'm not only good enough to make it, I'm good enough to stick. And so, uh, you know, fast forward through those through those years of in and out, in and out, in and out. I mean, you know, 13 years, um, uh, you know, later I was still in and I was, uh, still, still kicking. So this past year I didn't play. Um, I did sign with the team and Pelicans. I was, yeah. I was planning on, uh, seeing how that went with a 10 day contract and see if, if I could get it to be a little bit more than 10 days, but ended up getting COVID. And so, uh, I'm on the retirement train. Mm, unbelievable. <laughs> so uh, as you
0: look back on your career, and we're going to kind of dive into that too, but do you think, no joke, that you might have one of the most underrated careers in the history of NBA, of the NBA? No. <laughs> well, but for but, real. Just,
1: no, but I just... Who I else just, has done what you did? No, no. I mean, I, I, there's some cool things that I've done, and especially um, just being... Especially in the position I was in, coming from a small school no one knowing who I was being undrafted you know one of the best ever I, I don't know about all that Well, just, one
0: of the best stories I mean th-
1: it's a cool story I mean like I said it, I I the amount of times I got cut the amount of times that you know people didn't even think I was even close to being an uh, just an actual NBA player period to take that and go 13 years is that's pretty cool right yeah. like it's like I said it's a cool story but I mean I don't really view myself in that regard because I mean you know there's a lot of other guys who have not gone drafted or gone second round or whatever and just had these massive careers so you know the best ever no but I mean it's it's definitely something that I'm, I'm proud of I'm proud of it you yeah. know I'm definitely proud of of this of my story and I wouldn't trade it in thinking you know looking back right looking back at draft night as much as you were know you expecting
0: your would were you were you expecting to get drafted uh so what year what year was your draft that class? was 2007 07. yeah so who was who was the 07 star
1: um that would have been greg odin kevin durant really yeah
0: golly um Which i'll probably google in who greg odin is right yeah. now <laughs> yeah i mean it's Russell crazy westbrook
1: uh, James I can't Harden. remember no, I, no, they weren't in that draft.
0: Oh, you know why? Because uh, Durant and Westbrook were teammates on the Thunder, yeah, uh, yeah. So, so that was I, back when Durant was, yeah, yeah.
1: So, he you know, quick story about him. Um, we were in our, um, uh, draft combine together in Orlando. You and Durant, uh, yeah. I mean, it was, you know, 60 of us, maybe 60 to 70 guys that went to Orlando for the pre draft, um, camp and. He went right in front of me for the bench press. And so it's always been this famous thing that Kevin Durant couldn't do the bench press once, you know, one hundred and eighty five pounds one time. Oh, it's one hundred percent (laughs) true. Like he went right in front of me. I saw it. He couldn't Oh my gosh. He couldn't get it up once. But what I think what he has proven more than anybody else is that doesn't matter? Who cares? Right? Like (laughs) he's Kevin Durant, like he's top One of the top players of all time. Yeah, jokes on everyone else, literally. Exactly. And so I think after that, you know, and and see what he's done, I think it's kind of taken – it's important still. Yeah. You know, because I actually – I was tied for second uh, for most, and he got the least. It's kind of – Kind of crazy but he's kevin durant and i'm anthony Toll. well it's all relative <laughs> and he's he's bulked up too I know there there's a few things yeah. on instagram or something
0: where i mean i have probably a similar size arm as canteen as anthony durant, or kevin durant but he's got more powerful hands than probably anybody i think he also has freakishly large hands really as well. large
1: hands yeah absolutely um,
0: so so walk us through and again the premise of this podcast which you are just the poster child for it is you find significant success you defy every odd and it's it's a first world problem to get cut by an NBA team because you made an NBA team where I think that's most people's you know kind of dream come true in a uh, in a twisted way. But how did you keep your headspace so calming and in a, in such a humble manner as you started making real money, as you started playing against guys like Kevin Durant, as you had your name on the back of a jersey where you know God knows the statistic, but ninety nine point nine 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 percent of people on planet Earth will never even get that shot. Mm-hmm. How did you enter that already knowing that you were raised right by your family, but how did you
1: stay inside that headspace um honestly uh 100% my faith um without without that as my foundation i think the nba would have been too much to handle just plain and simple um too many too many uh, opportunities you, you entered the
0: league as a christian
1: uh yeah 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 I, I mean I, I I became a believer when i was 12 so wow. Um, pretty young age to, to kind of come to faith and was able to walk it out, you know, for the most part. I mean, throughout, you know, my whole high school and college career and was able to stay out of trouble mainly because of basketball, you know, just staying so focused on basketball. And then uh, basketball, in my faith was really the only two things I cared too much about my family as well, but I mean, at that point, I'm really focused on just making it. So, but honestly, once once I made it to the league or once I started having the opportunity to play professionally, my faith ended up being the thing that I could always lean on, even when I got cut, even whenever things weren't going very well, it didn't really matter Um, because ultimately I knew that God was in control. And so for me, that, that's what it was all about. So something happened, you know, I get cut or I get hurt, which I actually didn't get hurt very often. It was like literally no surgeries. I never seen the video years. of you getting pushed until last night. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was, go. yeah. <laughs> and did you see how I handled it? Like a man, yeah. like a gentleman. I literally just, well, I, I, I pulled a little uh, uh, <laughs> a trick that my, I think my sister taught this to me when I was a kid. But when somebody pushes you, if you grab their arms, you, they go wherever you go. So if somebody pushes you really hard and you're going, well, just grab their arms because they're fully extended right here. Smart. Especially you can just grab pool. their arms. So now you're going to either keep yourself up or they're coming with you. I like that. Kamikaze.
0: Yeah. Who was the guy that pushed you?
1: Nick Young. Nick, if you're watching, you're not invited <laughs> on the Rogers
0: That Podcast. <laughs> not a fan. <laughs> um, so back, back to maintaining balance and, and being just such a, um, again, you're the student council president. You're the guy that just walks into a room. you you command a presence because of your size, but you keep a presence because of your intention. Uh, what, what was that like just staying focused as a believer and as a family man when obviously, you know, it's the NBA, it, you have access to literally everything and you still do. But while you're playing for 13, 14 years, what was that like just keeping your blinders on? From temptation, but also from you know realizing that you're not going to be a professional athlete forever what 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 was your kind of cycle for for
1: keeping that? Yeah, I mean, like I said, this leaning on my faith was kind of the the number one thing, and then once I was able to get married um, and start having kids, yeah, it really wasn't that hard for me, yeah, because my motivation, my why changed. Right. Before wife and kids, my why was, all right, I want to get my family out of this. You know, we weren't in the, a struggle phase by any means. My mother provided everything we ever needed. Who um, now has an endowment. She does. Which, yeah, that's yeah. that's such a cool thing that yeah. you've done.
0: A, a couple of months ago, you announced it and yeah. just to be able to honor
1: her, Donna yeah. Lewis. Yeah, absolutely. Excited about, you know, giving out scholarships in her name for ever, um and just gonna continue to build on that and make it. But I mean, you know, just having having um having my mother as obviously a, a, a motivation. She was she was real motivation kind of initially because she was the one who was working her tail off in providing for our kids or for her kids. And and you know, so for me, it was like, hey, I want to give back to her and give back to my family. Unfortunately, right before I made it is when she passed. Um. So when she passed it, it really just kind of shifted to my sisters and to my dad and to all my other family and my friends, like everybody around me, I just started really playing for them. And so, you know, what kept me humble, what kept me in that mind space was, you know, getting out of my own way, uh, staying, staying focused on others uh, and putting others before myself is what kept me where I needed to be, like humbled, kept me... Um, discipline kept me off the you know news channels of oh this another athlete gets in trouble or whatever it's like I wasn't doing that because I'm here for a bigger purpose than just you know going to the clubs or whatever.
0: Yeah but you also um, you're going to be making the news differently because of your parallel success story that's going to last a little bit different as far as the longevity with your business savvy. And I've worked with athletes. I never was a professional athlete. I never made the I never made the basketball team. That's a fun not even a fun fact. It was a depressing fact. I literally <laughs> I played football my senior year of high school only because I found out that they didn't make cuts at my high school and I wanted a letter jacket. But I'm I'm still resentful to um, to the world of basketball. We'll, we'll get there in another podcast. <laughs> um, but working with athletes and in, in my career, you know, you were. You were one of the first people to give me a chance. I I vividly remember you calling me where I was, what you said, and I was just like, you gotta be kidding me. But I I was like, I gotta knock this out of the park. And a lot of times the cliches with athletes kind of maybe going bust, spending all their money, investing in things that were not necessarily um, greatly uh, vetted through, you're the exact opposite. So how did you become fascinated with business and with investing so much so to where you have built a literal empire and it's stuff that you use on a daily basis. But when did that whole thing begin
1: in your head? Well, I've always been an entrepreneur. So when I was about 14-ish is when I started my first business with my neighbor, uh, lawn mowing business. And so I got inspired by actually my current real estate partner in Springfield, Kelly Byrne. He, um, you know, I think we were must have been out doing something at the mall or something you know whatever kids do on Saturday afternoons or whatever when you're not even 16. So I think we were at the mall and he went and bought some shoes or he bought something really cool. I was like where'd you get the money for that? Like I don't like that just didn't exist in my house. You get you don't go to the mall and actually get stuff. (laughs) Free samples. Right like you you have you have five dollars for lunch and you walk around and you hang out and you might go, like you said, talk to a couple of girls or go hang out and you know run around and get in trouble. But that was it. So he was like, "Yeah." So you know, I bought. I'm buying these with my money. I earned it. And like I was like, "Oh, your mom and dad gave you that money." He's like, "No, I earned it because I mow lawns." Like, what? Like you got money from mowing lawns? He's like, "Yeah, I, I mow like six lawns in my neighborhood, and I make like 200 bucks a week." I was like, "What?" <laughs> I was like. Oh, I need to get in this business. You were 14? Uh yeah, ish around that age. And uh so my buddy next door I said, Listen, like this is this is what we need to do. I have a life changing. So hey, so what we did was, you know, his his mom and dad actually invested uh for us into a couple of new lawnmowers and um, you know, we started doing some neighborhood uh deals and once he turned sixteen, or once we both turned sixteen We started going around town a little bit but not a lot you know it was just enough to put some money in our pockets buy some gas and go to a movie and do that type of stuff but you know we never we never got to where we had 100 yards it's just enough to you know hey you're a high school kid you need to pay for gas you need to pay for entertainment like that was that was kind of our fun money
0: you remember the first thing you bought yourself to celebrate the win no
1: no. How about, I how mean, about once probably, you became a professional Probably athlete. like a Mountain Dew Code Red. You wow. remember those? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the luxury Mountain Dew. I, I used to get a two liter and just pound it. Wow. Like, like in one night. It would be,
0: I'd kill one. So when you signed your first NBA contract, did you buy like a 12-pack of Mountain Dew Code Red?
1: No. What I, was your
0: first thing you bought when you actually made it to that level? So when I,
1: the, the first, well, NBA check... I, I don't think I bought anything. Seriously? Yeah, I don't. I, my NBA, my first NBA check, I was like that. First of all, it wasn't enough to go really buy much. <laughs> like it was enough to buy you know decent amount, yeah. but not like anything that I was really wanting at that point. Um, but when I earned enough money from my first year playing professionally, um, I bought an investment property. So. I still own it today. It's no in Springfield, way. Missouri. Um, renting it out even to to, to this day. So, I uh, need to get the rents out on that. I know property. a guy. Yeah. <laughs> it's back in Missouri, well, but uh, <laughs> Healy Global. We're still global. But it, but yeah, man, that was the first thing I bought when I when I was able to raise enough or save enough money. Was I bought an investment property?
0: Have you ever been lured into something that somebody you know convinced you to do and it ended up being a bust? Oh yeah.
1: Like what? um i did a um, kids fitness um concept which in my head made a lot of sense checked out the the people who were running it uh you know one of the guys had like 20 plus years in the fitness industry and on paper everything looked good um, the guy who was the head honcho in the deal um, had the experience on paper and nice guy and you know everything is just what it came down to was operations and and uh and you know I think part of it was operations but part of it was I'm not quite sure the concept was quite you know what resonated with people so in Wait, my head was this a long time ago so yeah this is over a decade ago uh-huh. I mean it was a while ago um it just was one of those things that like I said it sounded great it sounded like you're, you know hey you Giving these kids an opportunity to have like a, a space to work out and to have these programs and classes and stuff, and you know they even had some traveling uh, things where they could do after after school programs and all kinds of stuff. But one thing, I, one of the biggest things I learned um, from that deal was kids that can't drive, gonna be hard for them to have a a, a gym membership, right? Like, and it's like it sounds simple. Yeah but at the time i didn't really think about it from that perspective right i like, i was just like oh yeah, well then their parents will just bring them. but it just you know i think that that was a part of it too too much yeah it was just too it was too niche and it was probably maybe too big of a space on top you know what i'm saying like it was kind of a few different things that just didn't work out um It was a valuable lesson i'm sure you, oh, you learned oh gosh and... i've learned so i learned so much from that i learned so much from I mean, there was a real estate deal where I lost a few bucks and it was kind of like, I wouldn't like, it wasn't like the current market, uh, but it was similar to where everything on paper lined up perfectly, perfectly. It was worth- What what city was this in? In Minneapolis. It was a house that we bought for about a half a million bucks. We put in about a half a million bucks and it it appraised for about one4 and so we were feeling really good about ourselves because up to that point we hadn't made more than probably 90, 80 or ninety k on a house on a flip, and so we were feeling which is still great money. Oh, great, it's very good. But you know, this one had a four four hundred thousand dollars spread. So we were like, even if we sell for one point two, we're still going to make a really nice yeah. return. Long story short, man, something happened to the market, and we don't know what and how it did, but just you talk about no one was buying houses you know kind of here in that one to whatever three million dollar yeah. range it was exactly something happened in the market and all of a sudden we couldn't even get a showing no one mm. like it, it was a beautiful house maybe one of the best looking houses we've ever flipped i mean just gorgeous but no action how did you even get into the real estate space i mean
0: obviously everybody wants to be a flipper a developer you know, somebody who gets into the game and, and, and makes a lot of money. But what was the entry point for that? Other than buying your first house with your first, you know, MBA money. Yeah, so real
1: estate was always something I was interested in, even going back to high school. It was, you know, hearing stories about other people, even my age or a little bit older, that had, you know, bought multiple rental properties, duplexes or triplexes or something, and they're making passive income. And I just loved the concept. I was like, that makes sense right? Like, of course it makes sense. It's real estate. It's what people have to live somewhere. Yeah, And I was like, no matter what happens with technology, people still have to live somewhere. People still have to sleep somewhere. And so to me, it just made sense and uh, dove into a few books kind of early after mid, maybe college-ish. And then right after college, really dove into some books about real estate and decided to get in. And so just started with couple rental properties and then partnered up with a couple people and started doing some flips and that turned into small developments which turned into big developments. And you love it? I do. You feel like you got an eye for it? I do. What do you look for
0: when you look for a real estate deal? Um, and, and by the way y'all uh, Anthony's social media is incredible but he started releasing kind of his tips and tricks that are very very easy to digest but also it, it's, it's high level stuff so make sure you're following him and his website which just the title website is what? anthonytolliver.me .me and then the uh, foundation website before I forget is the Tolliver Family a, Foundation that's a good question okay. we'll get back we'll get, we'll get back to that but, <laughs> oh, but no, no, I'll no, I, 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 I tell you to where, like I'm a uh, two decade real estate veteran but I'm still learning you know every day but I learned from Anthony where you've got your kind of your, your your tricks. so what do you look for when you look for a good real estate deal
1: you know honestly uh, it depends on which category I'm looking at the moment so I have the way I've been able to structure my life and my real estate portfolio and really my business portfolio is through the power of partnerships. And partnerships for me allowed me to go play basketball for 14 years and still at the same time develop a, a nice size portfolio. And without partnerships, that's just not possible. Yeah. And it, it, to be able to focus on you know, my one thing, which is basketball and... Uh, and be able to, you know, have, have something significant being built on, on the side. So, through my partnership back home, I'm actually, I almost do majority, if not all of my business with the complete opposite of what's, what most people do family and friends. Hmm. People I, I know, love, and trust. If I'm going to win, I want them to win. Like, I do some business every once in a while with people I don't know. But it's, it's rare. Yeah, It's I'm, rare. I'm Rogers. Nice to meet you. Hey. Let's be family yeah. and Let's friends. Do it. <laughs> uh, okay, so
0: talk about the portfolio, the non-real estate stuff. And, uh, you know, it's just such a – I've learned I've learned a lot just, you know, from listening to Anthony today but also in the past where I've been able to be on the uh, receiving side of a partnership. But, like, what, what are some of the deals you've partic- participated in that are outside the world of real estate?
1: Yeah, outside of real estate, um, I've been able to uh, do some deals, one being Big Blanket. Um, which is the company that makes really, really big blankets. Do you know of anyone that got engaged on a big blanket? <sighs> you know, there was this guy. Me. Who, yeah, engaged Me. on a blanket with bananas. Yes. Yeah, yeah. that was a uh Not unique... just
0: ban- bananas in the shape of a heart. And, Abby, if you're watching this, I love you, and I'm glad that I could
1: bring bananas into the world of romance. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I got a chance to do that. Uh, I've seeded that company. Um, seated a, a company called Active Faith, seated a company called Anything Possible, which. Uh, which Active is, Faith,
0: by the way, is an incredible sportswear company which has killed it. Again, yeah, like the, think about the athlete, the cliche athlete clothing line. Yours is a literal clothing line for athletes that are Christian
1: based athletes, and mm-hmm. it's crushed it. I think one of your partners on that is Steph Curry, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, he got involved pretty early. Um, he's uh, he was a teammate of mine whenever he was a rookie and good dude and incredible, incredible human. You know, yeah. and obviously one of the best players ever. Uh, but that's that's yeah. actually secondary to him being as good of a human as yeah. he is. Um, but anyways, so got involved with that. Um, Seated a company called Anything Possible, which is um, it was originally a invention company. Um, but we morphed into a kids fishing company that essentially <laughs> became a fishing company. So and I say that, I'll tell you a quick backstory. So me and my buddy Ralph Duda, who is one of my oldest, most cherished friends, he's hilarious. Um, he is um me and him would always come up with new ideas, good ideas to create something. Like Maybe three or four years before the poop spray, poopery. You yeah, know, you know what that is. About three or four Dallas years be- based. before that came out, he called me one day just randomly and was like, "You know what? You know what needs to exist. Somebody needs to come up with a spray or something that you put in the toilet that masks the smell of your poop." No way! I promise you. That I, I remember that conversation like it was yesterday. Before poopery came before out. Before poopery came out. Man, that was a. And 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 so. When that happened, puperie came out. It killed it, of course. And he's like, "Man, okay, we got to start doing something. Like, we got to start puperie <laughs> for when you eat asparagus. Oh, or yes. Or beer.
0: Oh, wait, before you go in that urinal, let me yeah. spray some puperie. Yeah.
1: Man, we had asparagus last night. Um. <laughs> so, anyways, long story short, we created an invention company. Unbelievable. And we were like, we got to start, you know, throwing a couple of dollars behind some of these ideas we get. And we have. First one was a kid's training lure that was a dissolvable training lure. Similar to the little dissolvable compressed sponge dinosaurs and stuff that kids would play with in the, in the uh, bathtub. So we came up with the same kind of concept, but, but for literally for fishing. So kids throw it out there. Kids don't usually catch anything anyway. So, you know, the parents that want to fish, they give them something to do. So they like go catch a fish every time. So we created that. We don't tell kids this as they're fake fishing. (laughs) Well, we did that and it made it just like a little, almost like a toy, like a fun little thing. Yeah. You know, ended up kind of getting it out to the market. It sold pretty well. And we decided, man, there's no one focusing on kids in this industry and so we're like let's go for it and so for five years we were just trying to figure it out and we didn't know what the heck we were doing really but what we had was we had hard work and we had we had a little money behind this right like so we had some money to be able to make some mistakes so that was we're very fortunate for that partnered with the right people ended up um, you know growing into not just a kids fishing company now we are a legit fishing company just uh, I still have about five percent of the company, um, but we sold seventy-five percent of it about a year and a half ago Good Lord. to uh, to a private equity company. And so, um, but I mean, we're in Walmart. Tar- I mean, literally every Target, Dick's, Academy, Bass Pro, Cabela's, Mount Meyer. I mean, all the major retailers across the, the NBA country. was essentially your hobby. It became yeah. so. That's <laughs> yeah. that's a part of part of the reason why I made my, my the, the transition. Whenever I'm still in, you know, I still have the ability to play. I'm just, you know, I'm 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 good. Yeah,
0: you're doing well. So what what's on the horizon on this on the world of Anthony's investments in the world of Anthony's investments? What else have you done? I mean, I know there's some stuff I've been able to participate
1: in. And- yeah, OxFit, um, which is one that we you know we're able to. To do uh just recently um, with a couple of uh, athletes and stuff? Got he involved. looked at me
0: when he said we, but just so y'all know, I'm not one of the athletes that's <laughs> in Oxford. That, he was just saying the royal we. You know, I did not make yes, the cut. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, I can bench more than Kevin Durant, though. So, so that's true. That's true. I mean, I don't know about now. but Probably not now. Back then. Back Maybe then. then. Um, but yeah, Oxford is one. It's a new, I, I call it the, the Tesla of workout machines. It's incredible. I think it's going to change the game. Um, I invested in some, some alcohol. So, mm. um, which if you would have asked me a year and a half ago about investing in alcohol, I'd have been like, no way. Not going to happen. Like, mm-hmm. why would I do that? Um, Just never really thought about it. But then I got in it and I realized, hey, like, alcohol, first of all. Alcohol tastes good. Right. <laughs> well, at least these these did. Yeah. So Siempre is, uh, is a brand that we are yeah, yeah. in which is nice uh to have another partnership with you and um and then uh whiskey some bourbon bourbon some bourbon yeah so bourbon uh, but that's not a brand that's uh kind of on the commodity side and then another i guess commodity play that i've made is is an oil and gas which is obviously a really good place to be right now
0: that's awesome so let, let's transition out of anthony the investor and the educator and the and the uh the wise, wise prophet into uh, a more important role that you play. And that's uh, being a father. Mm-hmm. And, and so knowing I'm, I'm new to the, to the parenthood space and I've been able to watch you literally since you became a dad and to being, um, just one of the world's greatest, but how have you parlayed everything that you've learned in the world of business, professional sports, man of
1: faith into helping lead your family? Well, leadership is leadership, right? Like it, if, uh, if you're a leader, if you're a leader, um, on the court, or in the classroom or in your business, like you're you're capable of being a a great leader in your home. It's but it's different, right? So in business, you can be a little bit, you know, hey, cutthroat or whatever you want to call it. That's not my leadership style, but you can. You can't be a cutthroat dad. I mean I mean you can, once again, but it's just not my style. Well I'm just probably I wouldn't suggest it, right? So but the biggest thing with uh leadership though is you learn that you have to treat each of the people around you sometimes a little different right and so it's the same thing in parenting so my kids I have four different kids and um obviously the same mother same father and they're born of the same uh from the same woman right and but each of them are completely different humans mm. and they i find myself you know, my mistake sometimes is I parent them similarly. It's, but you can't. Like, it. they're not the same people. And so the same way I can handle my youngest son, the way I might approach him when he does something wrong, I can't really approach my oldest daughter that same way because they handle it completely different. So I'm learning, right? I'm nine years in, 10 years into this parenting thing. And I literally learn every single day and it is a process every day to learn my kids and to understand like where I need to get better as a parent. And so I've made strides for sure. I I used to yell way too much (laughs) and I'm not even a, I'm not even a hothead guy, but kids make you do things sometimes that you didn't know you're capable of doing. So I had to calm that down and, and. Okay, I'm not gonna yell as much. I'm gonna be a lot more, you know, centered. Uh, yeah, just like just just calm because your your vibe is what is the vibe that they pick up and that they take and they, and they go with, right? So if you're able to be more calm, they're gonna be more calm. Even mm-hmm. when they're crazy, they're gonna be more calm. In a, if you're if you're able to bring that that calmness, so
0: best parenting advice. What is it?
1: Um, get to know your kids. Yeah. And that's not just like a, oh, you know, like a surface level, get to know them, like really get to know what makes them tick. Because if you know what makes them tick, now you can relate to them. So what made me tick? Basketball, 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 right? And so you want to, you know, get me excited when I was a kid or growing up or even now, really. You want to talk about basketball? Let's go, right? Mm -hmm. My oldest son? Most
0: underrated player of all time. (laughs) Who is it?
1: Underrated? ooh.
0: Our, our generation like a Mitch Richmond maybe
1: mm, yeah he's up there i mean how about me the pulling chris that the chris mullins and chris mullins uh, both of those guys the blue guys collar from, guys yeah um man so but from growing up man that's tough that's that's really tough
0: i completely pivoted off the dad advice but i want to get there but i just i had a <laughs> no 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 it's okay
1: it's okay but that's good that's good um but i would say that going back to the dad advice that would be the biggest thing is like get to know your kids take time to get to know them individually and you'll never regret that but back to your other question Uh, most underrated currently I think Drew Holiday might be the most underrated player in the NBA how about during our childhood mmm that's a tough one I'm trying to think like of a like a Kevin Johnson maybe I mean even though I know Charles Barkley was an all-star but like I, mean, I don't think people realize how good he was. Yeah. Like, he was... You know, they know him as Chuck now, and he's yeah. on TV, and he's chubby, you know. Yeah. That man was a monster. Yeah. He was a monster, so... So was Bill Lambeer. Yeah. He was a different type of monster. Yeah, he, yeah, he was, was just a, a literal monster. Yeah. <laughs> he would just cl- clothesline you and, and call your mom fat or something. Uh, but, um, but no, it, it, you know, those types of guys. Um I mean, Isaiah Thomas, even though he was a... Uh, all-star and everything else, he just got overshadowed. He was one, overshadowed three by three. the Jordans, and the Magics, and the Birds, like. But guys like that, he's a top three point guard maybe of all time. And only played for one team, and only
0: played for like 11 years. Yeah, um,
1: phenomenal player.
0: Okay, so uh, highlight, your highlight, of your single biggest highlight of being a dad, what is it? If you look back over Ooh. 10 years of memories, what's the, what's the highlight? The highlight
1: has been Man, honestly just being able to do the basics. Like having the time yeah. to do the basics with my kids. Highlight highlighted being a husband. Highlighted of being a husband. Man, uh the freedom to to travel. Yeah. Like with, with my wife. And to have that be a part of our regular routine. Every single year we go on a trip. Just me and her. We've done it. Probably since my oldest was two, I'm because sure we did. tried it with him when he was like one, and it was a miserable. <laughs> trip. It was Hawaii, awful. Hawaii. Yeah, yeah. It was miserable. So we learned our lesson very early. But every year, every year we since then, I least you learned it in Hawaii. Yeah, we did learn it in Hawaii. Yeah. Now, I mean Hawaii's Hawaii's sweet. Yeah, right. But but since then, every year we at least do one trip, like leave. Like get away from our kids, at least for a few days, and sometimes three or four or five, and we enjoy ourselves, and we don't worry about the kids. We have our family, or friends, or whoever's taking care of the kids. We go somewhere really, really nice, and mm-hmm. and uh, enjoy. Highlight of your uh, business career? Exits. So having a couple of exits, I actually had two exits in six months, um, which was awesome. Um, one of them being a very fast exit, um, and, and big blanket. And then the other being a very long process, like eight and a half year process to get to it. But they were equally sweet. Um, meaning like, like, I don't, I don't look at one and say, Oh man, that was better than yeah. the other. Um, because it was faster or one was a little bit bigger. It was, it was equally sweet because it was it was an exit. I mean, when you're, you're getting a chance to exit out of a private equity company or out of a out of a, a venture that you start, that is special. Uh, that that was that's been special special for me. Highlight of your uh, basketball career. Highlight of basketball career was probably scoring a career high the night Don Nelson became the winningest head coach in, in NBA history. Warriors. For the I was playing for the Warriors, played against Minnesota at 34 points. Wow. Yeah. Hardest player you ever guarded? Anthony Davis. Oh, really? Oh, God. The I got, unibrow guy? Yeah.
0: Um, who would play you in a movie? John Sally. <laughs> <Terrible>. <laughs> but John Sally 30 years ago. Probably not probably I mean, not John he'd Sally. Just have to,
1: he'd just have to maybe like... Uh, I think you, you told know. me that one time. He man. has to maybe dye his beard, but, I mean, he's the one person that people... have have people have said I've looked like John Sally since the fourth grade yeah that's how like and whenever you know growing up I was like whatever yeah whatever right then I'm then I see a picture of him when I get a little older I'm like yeah wow like and then we we actually got a chance to meet so we met last summer whenever the big three was here and we took a picture with each other and and I had I had communicated with him in the past about it and we've made some jokes about it but then we we got a chance to meet each other um, at the Big Three, and my wife was like, "We got to take a picture, <laughs> right?" And That's so awesome. it was like, "Yeah, we do look alike." It, it's real. You're related yeah. somehow. And he's already he's he's played movies like he played Bad Boys. I don't know if you remember oh, that. Yeah, yeah. So he's he's already a movie star. Well, it, 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 it's
0: happening then. Uh, best <laughs> advice, just just in general, what's the best advice for everybody watching this, paying attention, listening? What what do you give them from your your book of wisdom?
1: So something that can apply to every part of your life every single piece of your life is consistency is key right so no matter if that's basketball business entrepreneurship anything as a father consistency is key so you know people are like oh you got to work hard and all that stuff I agree but work you can go work hard one day for five hours be so sore for the next Four days, so you can't move. Yeah, and then you say, "Okay, well, I worked really hard on Monday, but I can't even move till Friday." You're not going to get better. Like that's not going to. It just even out. It doesn't. But a, a good forty-five minutes to an hour, Monday through Friday, and it's the same amount of time of work. That's gonna that's gonna be a lot more effective, and you're gonna get a lot better and a lot more results from that than you will from just working harder, which is a perfect lead into one of the last questions. How do you maintain balance in your life? What's your what's your goal for having that level way of living? So, I heard a concept recently about balance, and they were like balance doesn't exist. I was like, yeah. Okay. What do you mean?" Right? Like I need to I need to hear more about this. So, they 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 described you said balance doesn't exist because you can't you can't be a great businessman during the day or whatever it may be and be a great father at the same time right like you have, but but what you can be great at is time management right so go be great in your business but put all of it be completely focused so that you're not doing it for eight hours or nine hours maybe you could do it for six but do it so good and focus so good at it for those six hours that you don't have to be there for nine hours. Now those extra three hours, you can go be 100% focused on your kids, 100% focused on your wife, mm-hmm. right? And I was like, wow, like that's that's legit, mm-hmm. right? Like, because people were trying to balance, sometimes you say, oh, well, you know, I'm gonna, you know, kind of do this, and I'm gonna kind of do that, multitask and, you know, balance it all out. It's like, you're you're not gonna do anything great. It, it's gonna be all kind of half halfway done being present right yeah being fully present in the task in which you're doing at that moment to me is my way of balancing being present with intention which you have you have mastered
0: um how do we go and uh, follow along in your journey as we become bigger fans of
1: you um follow my social media um Tolliver 44 on instagram i'm also on twitter i think it's under the same and um yeah, I mean, that's, a, a, anthonytolliver.me is my website that has kind of an overview of everything that I do, uh, business-wise, faith-wise, family-wise. Uh, I try to do a lot of financial education, like you said, so just uh, always trying to do fun, new things, and uh, just recently uh, kicked off my speaking uh, endeavors so that's going to be you know, he just did a way. keynote speech at a, at, a, at a school and he spoke with
0: a group of uh underprivileged youth here in dallas a few months ago and when y'all have the chance to see him speak in person please go i promise you you will um you will leave better than than you arrived so appreciate it uh yeah anthony i love you i appreciate everything you do and your family and i glad that you could be a guest today and I'm Looking forward to being an even bigger fan as as time progresses. Thank you, brother. Love you too, man. All right. That's all we got today, folks. Thanks for paying attention. Thanks for watching. Roger's that. Cheers.
1: I'm Anthony Tolliver, and that's how you sell without selling out.